We're back for the week of June 7th. The Pioneer Radio Guy is signed off. Sinclair dumps their soul radio stations, and there's an interesting story we think behind that. And this week's good example of bad management. For Tuesday, June 8th, this is Media Insulting. Good morning and welcome to Media Insultant. I'm Jackson Weaver, my co-host Keith Samuels. Keith, good morning. How's things in LA today? Good morning, Jackson, and it's June gloom in full speed today here in LA. It's uh, cloudy, murky, marine layer weather, mid-60s. It's just like we like it. Yep, and, and, and just like it is here in the Pacific Northwest. So, we're off to another day of uh, insulting whatever we can with media, and I don't want to insult anybody to start off with, but we do need to pay a little tribute to George Beasley. George Beasley died at the age of 89 last week. He truly is one of the great radio guys. He had a real passion for radio. He started in back in 1961 at a little radio station, WYPB. I don't know what that means. Probably stands for something in North Carolina, and it's interesting digging through some of the um, some of the data on him. He paid $19 a month for the Tower Land lease when he got that <laughs> radio station, and he put it on the air for a total of $17,000. Uh, not something you could do today, but he leveraged it, and he grew it into uh, one of the top five groups in the country, including okay. WBZ in Boston and MMR in Philadelphia. So, uh, what, what's your observation on Beasley Broadcasting today as you look at it? Well, you know, I think they've done a, an amazing job of surviving in a, in, a, in a real consolidated marketplace, you know, with the big, you know, the big groups like iHeart and Odyssey and Cumulus. Um, you know, a company like Beasley has been able to buy and, and operate well, and then, but also trade well. I think they've done a really good job of finding markets that fit their company, uh, culture, they're probably their company style and what they want to manage and what markets they want to be in. And, uh, you know, they find themselves with a great collection, particularly in Florida, of some amazing properties. And so, um, you know, good for them, uh, you know, um, and good for him that he had the vision to uh, keep the company, you know, uh, in the family, run it well. I mean, they, they, have ne they haven't been in a position like we see with so many groups, Alpha, where, you know, they're in a position where they have to bring in uh, outside, you know, hedge funds or investment groups, and and then you have to answer to the bankers and not to your audiences or to your employees. Uh, you know, Beasley stands out as one of the few remaining, uh, you know, just really, really great groups. You know, I, you know, Hubbard in a way, in a bigger way, has done it, and Ginny's continued the family tradition there, uh, and Carolyn continues the Beasley family tradition uh, with her company. So. You got to give them credit that you know they're 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 holding strong, they're holding on, and and they're they're good operators, as we like to say. They are. They you know they do about two hundred and sixty million in revenue, which isn't bad. It uh, kind of puts them mid pack for the smaller groups. You know he's doing more than Saga and a little bit more than Hubbard, but you know his passing really marks the end of uh, of, of the good old boy, the the radio guy who had you know transmitter bolts in his in his blood and was out there wiring the station and doing mornings and going out and making sales calls and 
you know, the business now is dominated by obviously quite a bit bigger passers. Uh, many of them will, probably wouldn't know what a wire looked like if you <laughs> if you ask them. And uh, you know, he had a real vision when he started this. And the truth is, we could use some of that vision in broadcasting today. So he will be missed. He will be missed. So one of the big things in the uh, radio business last week was uh, Sinclair is dumping their radio stations in Seattle. Not unexpected. Nobody was expecting Sinclair, who is a third largest TV operator mm -hmm. in the market, to in the country, really, yeah. to stay in radio for very long. So they sold their three Simcomo, Amon FM, KVI, and KPLZ for $18.5 Kind of a new low benchmark <laughs> for a price in a market 12 or 13 what what what's your your thought on that deal is that is there a multiple in there what do you think well i don't know you know that this these kind of deals um uh particularly when they're embedded this these are this is the this is a cluster of stations that that came along when sinclair bought uh fisher broadcasting back in uh, 2013 and uh, you know a company the fisher family had grown and built like the beasleys over decades and decades and finally decided to get out, and probably at the right time, because they sold their company for $373 million. So, you know, I'm, I'm sure Mr. Fisher, Phelps is out there and Clyde Hill uh, enjoying his retirement, um, at, you know, with, with, a lot of, with a lot of money in the bank. Um, so you have these three stations, these radio stations, that come along with this group of TV stations. So they've always seemed like an orphan operation. And the problem for us is, as uh, media consultants is to try to peel back the onion to figure out, well, what was going on inside, you know, how were they doing at KVI and KPLZ and, and Como? And, uh, you know, does this warrant what kind of multiple, 50, you know, 18 million seems pretty low for, uh, you know, a couple of FMs and a couple of AMs in Seattle. Um, you know, my, my comp here in L.A., the last FM that sold by itself, I think, was KLOS back in 2019, 95.5, you know, L.A.'s classic rock. Morello bought it for uh, $43 million as a standalone FM to join their cluster. So $18 million for four stations in Seattle doesn't seem like very much. And I suspect that there might be more to this deal than, uh, than the trades are letting on in terms of... Uh, you know, is this all cash? Is there, you know, how did, how did Lotus, so it, it was bought by Lotus, which is a, a group based here in LA. They're not known for paying big dollars for radio stations. And, and, right. and, uh, right. and so, you know, it'd be interesting to see what, what we can find out about this deal. But what's your sense? Is this, is this 18 million in cash or is this, is this a, a lot of other stuff coming along with it? Well, and that there's there's a rumor floating around that part of it was cash and part of it was promotional barter on the Lotus radio stations for Sinclair TV outlets. Mm. There's not a real good match between the two, but that's the buzz, and we'll have to see when they file with the FCC what the deal actually looks like. Uh, but you know, the last single station that sold in this market was KMCQ, which had a, a substandard market signal. And that station sold for seven million. Just it was a standalone mm. FM, and uh, was sold to EMF. So that gives you kind of a ballpark. If that single standalone was worth seven and a half million about four years ago, what's the deal with buying two AMs, two FMs for eighteen million? Seems seems like the wrong price. But we don't know the inside. We don't know. Did Sinclair run these stations into the ground the last couple of years? That's a big one. Too. Yeah, so we'll have to we'll have to find that out. But it's interesting that the the, the, the shares the listener shares of the uh, 
of the Sinclair radio stations, uh, our buddies over at Como and KVI and KPLZ is, is six. They have a six point two share of the marketplace, which is a distant f- of the market. Yeah, right. a distant fourth to iHeart. That's got a twenty point five share. Odyssey's got an eight over an eighteen share. Hubbard's got a twelve share, and and so does Bonneville around a twelve share. So they're, they're at fifth. They're half of the fourth ranked station. So it isn't a it isn't a powerhouse cluster. So clearly they weren't able to drive rates. I'll be interested to see and listen to what you can find out about. Who else might have been sniffing around? This because it seems like it would have been a great fit for like a Bonneville, uh, who has room in yeah, the market. Yeah. Even Odyssey could have could have shoehorned a few few more stations in. So it's kind of interesting that Lotus kind of snuck in and and got this deal. Well, two observations, two takeaways. My first takeaway would be that maybe Bonneville and Odyssey looked at it and said, you know, we got enough headaches. <laughs> we don't need more radio station headaches. And the second thing is. Boy, I'll tell you, this is this is it's real clear. Major markets, no place for small operators. You know, if you're mom and pop and want to buy in Seattle, isn't going to happen. All the deals get done with the bigger groups, and there's just there's just no getting around that. Well, so. I, I hope I, I, I hope they can a, keep them intact. And and, and I, my, I have a little bit of family history with Como, even though I never worked for Como. Um, you know, Como was the first home for the Seattle SuperSonics NBA team back in 1967. Mm-hmm in a deal negotiated with Phelps Fisher by my dad. So, you know, when, you, you know, when oh. they go back and, rec- and recount the history of the Sonics in Seattle, they were on Como because my dad did the deal with Phelps. And my dad was the one who hired Bob Robertson as the first and longtime play-by-play oh. guy for uh, the Sonics through my dad's relationship because he was the ad guy for Atlantic Richfield Oil Company, which became ARCO, which you now know as AMPM Mini Markets. They owned the broadcast rights to the Sonics, not Como. So, uh, you know, my dad did the deal with Phelps and that, and that started that long run on Como before they moved, I think, probably a couple, a decade or two later. But, uh, um, yeah, always interesting that, you know, my dad was doing business with the, the Fisher Flower Company. I couldn't quite figure that out, but they owned it. But uh, so, uh, so we'll keep our eye on this story. But Jackson, you know, I recounted the story a few weeks ago about uh, about the uh, GSM that fired the son of the owner. Um, what's your bad management story for the week? Well, this one actually is. It comes from a, a buddy of mine uh, who's back in the Midwest. He sent me a. A note the other day, and by the way, we would encourage anybody who has a good example of bad management to send. <laughs> we'll take to bad us. examples too. It doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Before he got uh, into sales, and he subsequently got into management, he worked for a big regional uh, AM station back in the Midwest. You know, kind of a full service station, and he had a general manager who, uh, for the sake of discretion, we'll call Frank. And Frank was this brooding, solemn guy who wandered around the station. He was kind of the station Eeyore, you know, that kind of guy. And he was hovering over salespeople as they made calls. And, <laughs> and he'd review story rundowns in the news department. And he just ran, just built, killed everybody's buzz. No fun at all. So one day, my buddy is on the air on, on the radio station in his afternoon shift. And Frank comes storming into the studio. And he's really pissed off about something. But he got pissed off about a lot of things, so he kind of got used to that from what I understand. And he demands that, that the jock segue from the song he's playing into some, anything else. So he does that. Then Frank grabs the record off the turntable and breaks it right in front of him, just snaps the thing, snaps it, just violently. I mean, this, this wasn't a just, we're not going to be playing this anymore. He's just pissed. And he storms out of the studio. Okay, now, 
The, the, what was the record? That's what I wanted to know. Okay, the record was Jackie DeShannon put a little love in your heart. <laughs> Apparently, uh, he thought that song was uh, too rocky, too rock and roll, and uh, too hippie. And of course, it went on to be a top five song on BB, on Billboard. But I guess my takeaway, because we try to give some takeaways on these, is if you're inclined to interfere with anybody on the air and you're a manager, don't do it. Take it while somebody's off the air. Oh, talk about rattling a guy on the air. He said, it's probably why I got into sales. Just couldn't take the pressure of, of the GM coming in and breaking his record. So that's my good example of bad management. Well, Tripp puts a little love in my heart. So thank you for sharing. Well, it's, uh, it's time, I guess, for us to wrap up here, Keith. Uh, we've had fun. We'll mm-hmm. be back Thursday. Lots more for Media Insultant. Uh, in the meantime, you want to beg for comments and, and uh, subscriptions? And, and listening and, and viewing. So, yes, go to YouTube. Uh, you can go to, uh, you can search any number of ways. You can search Media Insultant. You can search Jackson Weaver, you know, and, and you'll get to Jackson's channel with all, the, the, all of them cataloged. Or if you want to just listen to our audio, which is just stunningly brilliant. You can do that on Apple, I you know on on podcasts on Apple iTunes. You could go to Audible. You can go to iHeart. You can go uh, Spotify. Anywhere you can find your favorite podcast, you'll find us because we you know um, are omnipotent and omnipresent. So there you go, buddy. Have a great weekend. We'll see. We'll see you on Thursday.